Al-Bayan Radio presents a brief explanation of the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi presented by Farhan bin Rafi' Ahmed. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Inna alhamdulillah nahmaduhu wa nasta'inu wa nastaghfiruh wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min sayyi'ati a'malina man yahdihillahu fala mudilla lahu wa man yudlil falan tajida lahu waliyan murshida. Wa ashhadu an la ilaha illallah al-ahad al-qahhar. وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون. Indeed, all praise and thanks belongs to Allah تبارك وتعالى alone. We seek His help, His assistance, and guidance in all things. He whom Allah تبارك وتعالى guides, there is no misguidance for him. And he whom Allah تبارك وتعالى leads astray, there is no guidance for him except through the will and permission of Allah تبارك وتعالى alone. And I bear witness and testify. That there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah, and that Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib al Hashimi al Qurashi was the final messenger and prophet sent to all of mankind. O oh, you who believe, fear Allah as He deserves to be feared, and do not die except in a state of Islam. Do not die except that you are Muslims. Rabbi shrahli sadri wa yassirli amri wa hlul uqtatam min lisani fa qauli. Alhamdulillah, this is lesson 56, I believe, and we are on Hadith uh, 36. So we don't have much left in this book, inshaAllah. Now, this hadith is narrated by Abu Hurairah radiallahu an, an Abi Hurairah radiallahu anhu qala, qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, man nafasa an mu'minin kurbatan min kurabid dunya, nafasa allahu anhu kurbatan min kurabil yomil qiyama, wa man yassara ala mu'sirin, yassara allahu alayhi fi dunya wal akhira, wa man satara musliman satara allahu fi dunya wal akhira, wallahu fi auni al-abdi ma kana al-abdu fi auni akhi. ومن سلك طريقا يلتمس فيه علما سهل الله له به طريقا إلى الجنة وما اجتمع قوم في بيت من بيوت الله يتلون كتاب الله ويتدارسونه بينهم إلا نزلت عليهم السكينة وغشيتهم الرحمة وحفتهم الملائكة وذكرهم الله في من عنده ومن أبطأ به عمله لم يسرع به نسبه رواه مسلم on the authority of Abu Hurairah who stated that the Prophet said, whoever relieves from a believer some grief pertaining to this world, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will relieve him some grief pertaining to the hereafter. And whoever alleviates the difficulties of a needy person who cannot pay his debt, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will alleviate his difficulties in both this world and the hereafter. Whoever conceals the fault of a Muslim, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will conceal his faults in this world and the hereafter. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will aid a servant of his so long as the servant aids his brother. Whoever follows a path to seek knowledge therein, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make easy for him a path to paradise. No people gather together in one of the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reciting the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and studying it amongst themselves except that tranquility descends upon them and mercy covers them, the angels surround them and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions of them, mention, makes mention of them amongst those who are in his presence. Whoever is slowed down by his deeds will not be hastened forward by his lineage. Collected by Imam Muslim, rahimahullah. 
Now this hadith covers a lot of different paths Different pathways to good And some of the scholars called it the sources of all good However, one qa'idah that comes up in this hadith constantly Is al-jaza'u fi jins al-amal Al-jaza'u fi jins al-amal That what you receive in reward Is through which you do You will not receive different to what you do If you do good, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will in turn give you good. And that is another way of saying what goes around comes around. What you do is what is done upon you. Now this hadith subhanallah, we have to take it jumla jumla, sentence by sentence. But each of these sentences are very very important guides by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to this ummah. Now this hadith in this form is found in Sahih Muslim. However, in Sahih al-Bukhari, there are elements of this hadith that you can find. There are parts of this hadith that you can find, however, narrated by Ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma and not Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu. We take the first statement of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, مَن نَفَّسَ عَن مُؤْمِنٍ كُرْبَةً مِن كُرَبِ الدُّنْيَا نَفَّسَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ كُرْبَةً مِن كُرَبِ يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ That whoever alleviates a believer from a difficulty of this world, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will alleviate a difficulty from him on the day of judgment. Now, the first thing is what is a difficulty? What is al-kurba? Al-kurba in the Arabic language is something that comes with grief, something that comes with it, difficulty, something that comes with it, some form of Hardship or restriction Where someone feels restricted And the word that is used for alleviation here Is nafas And if you go back to that word In the Arabic language It's the one who makes him easier to be able to breathe If he makes him be able to breathe In this way yani When someone feels so anxious where someone feels in such a corner where it's restricting him, where he can't even breathe properly. Right? So this is the element here. And what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will do for this person is he will alleviate that pain, that suffering, that form of hardship on the day where there is no form of help and assistance except from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So over here, the Prophet wasallam says, whoever alleviates grief, difficulty, hardship, or any form of mashaqqah that is upon this person, any restrictiveness that's on this person, any restriction that is on him, that is making him feel uneasy. So it is something that is a short advice of the Prophet wasallam, but it covers very, very vast amounts of things. So for instance, a good word can be this, alleviating someone's grief. Just saying something good to somebody can alleviate some sort of mental anguish. Because this covers not just يعني, any difficulty that you might feel in your religious affairs. The Prophet ﷺ specifically said, dunya." From the hardships of this world, which covers everything. 
It's not just your worldly struggles That for instance if someone is finding difficulty to pray Then you give him some words of encouragement to help him pray This falls under it But it also goes if someone is feeling depressed Someone is feeling anxious And you try to alleviate his anxiety and depression Through some form of good words This hadith covers it So this covers the things of the mental difficulties that which can impede on one's mental state If someone alleviates his brother's anguish Even through the attempt of trying to say a good word Then this covers it Other things that it can cover Is for instance difficulty in the worldly possessions If someone for instance is finding it hard to make ends meet And someone alleviates his pain through this way Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will help him on the day of judgment and if someone sees that his brother is struggling with whatever it is from the matters of this world, from the matters of this world, so it covers both the religious affairs and the worldly affairs. If he alleviates this anguish from him, removes it from his heart, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will alleviate a pain from him, a hardship from him on the day of judgment. So over here, what you have done is you have helped your brother. And what Allah will do as a reward for you Al-jaza' min jins al-amal So what you have done is this What is the reward from this? Is what you have done Allah will do it to you But in a way that you can never expect He multiplies everything يعني, You giving someone a glass of water Something as basic as a glass of water For when he asks because he is thirsty Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will alleviate a pain from you there is a hadith that is da'if that says that a poor person came to someone on the day of judgment and he was bound to be from the hellfire. And he says to this person, oh so and so do you remember me? And he says, I do not remember you. And this person that he's going up to, he's asking, do you remember me? The person he is asking is bound to be from the people of Jannah. And so he says, oh fulan, oh so and so, I asked... And you asked me because you were thirsty You asked me for me to provide for you And I provided for you So ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala To alleviate from me my affairs today And so he says now I remember So he goes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And asks and tries his way And says oh Allah this person alleviated for me A pain in this world So alleviate a pain from his akhirah from this now, the next world And this hadith, although it is da'if It states that because of this action He was forgiven So over here, something as basic As giving someone food, drink Is alleviating their pain and suffering So if you alleviate this Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will multiply it And the way that it is multiplied Is that on the day of judgment You will be provided for that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will help you on a day where there's no help other than the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The next statement of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is, وَمَنْ يَسَّرَ عَلَى مُعْسِرٍ يَسَّرَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ Now, the Prophet then says that whoever is يعني, able to make easy for the one who is in debt, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make easy for him the affairs in this world and the hereafter. What's the difference between the first and the second? The first is 
That whoever makes easy for a person a difficulty of his, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will do that for him in the akhirah. There's no mention of the dunya. And over here, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says that whoever makes easy for someone who is finding it difficulty because he is in debt, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will help him in the dunya and the akhirah. The difference here, the scholars say, that al-kurba is something that is very big. It's a struggle that is great. A struggle that is quite large. It's some form of great difficulty. That is in the essence of what al-kurba is. And not every person will go through it. So that, that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says on that day, you need it more on the akhirah, so I'm going to give it to you in the akhirah because you might not go through a difficulty in the world. But the second is that someone is always going to have some form of difficulty financially or some form of difficulty when it comes to debts. He will find some form of difficulty, whether it's just as merely as paying some form of a bill. Yani you get a bill for your phone line or your electricity, your water, whatever it is. You're going to sometimes find it difficulty to pay. So over here, the reward of this is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He will alleviate it from you in this world and the next. Now, the alleviation of someone who is mu'sir, someone who is financially troubled, someone who's restricted, happens in different ways. The first way is... That if you are not the person in whose hand the debt is So for instance This brother has given this brother $50 And says I will pay you back in a week's time And they agree They have the يعني, witnesses And it's all done in accordance to the Quran and the Sunnah Now Me coming in Actually that brother coming in He says You know what Don't worry about giving him back the 50 This is $50 You can go and give it to him So he's, the debt is not in his hand Brother C, right? What was your name, Akhi? Salman. Salman here, he's not holding the debt. But he wants to help his brother because his brother has a debt and he wants to alleviate this from him. And he wants the reward in this world and the hereafter. So he does this in a way to alleviate him even though the debt isn't in his hand. The second type is if the debt is in your hand, what do you do then? If the debt is in your hand, you can help in two ways. So the first is wajib. If the person is unable to pay in the week, you have to give him time. Say, khalas, I'll give you another week. No problems. And this is something that is obligatory. That if someone is unable to pay in the fine time, you don't charge him extra. That's riba. It's not allowed. You can't charge him a penalty fee. That's not permissible. However, you give him time. The second type is the type where you forgive the loan or part of the loan. And this is more virtuous than the first. This is more rewarding than the first. So the first is khalas. You say, alright, you don't have the 50 today. Khalas, come next week, give me the 50. The second is khalas. Habibi, you know, $50, I, I, I forgive you for the $50. I don't need that money. It's okay. Or you say, you know what? You owed me 50, just give me 25. Khalas. He either stands down from the entire loan or part of the loan. And this is more rewarding. So these are the types of financial ways that someone can help someone who is indebted. The three ways that someone can help someone who is indebted. And this is a form of good where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will help you in a time in this world and the hereafter. And we know that then this becomes a very noble deed. 
helping others so that Allah will help you. Now if you have the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is there anything that can overcome you? Is there anything that you will be unable to do? You have the help of Allah. All you did was give help a brother with something even if it was small. But you have now the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this world and the hereafter. Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, مَنْ سَتَرَ مُسْلِمًا سَتَرَهُ اللَّهُ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ And whoever conceals, conceals the faults of his brother, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will conceal for him his faults in this world and the hereafter. Now, Sitr al-Muslim, some of the scholars, yani concealing the faults of your brother, some of the scholars have stated that it is wajib, it is obligatory. Now, what does this mean? That if you see someone doing a personal sin, a sin that is, yani a person who is upright, right? generally speaking, he's not someone who is known for evil, someone who's a good brother, comes to the masjid, prays, but you see him, for instance, as he's driving out, he might have said a bad word. Or he might have thought he was far away from the masjid and then thought that no one was looking at him and he lighted a cigarette. Or something. Whatever it is. Now, upon the believers, is trying to hide the faults of his brothers. He has the right to go up to him and give him nasiha, but it's not done publicly. It's not done to shame the person. It's to keep his honor maintained. To maintain his honor. That is what is essential for the believers. Now, this is for the brother who is upright. You see him doing a sin, and it's not something that is known for. You try to hide it for him. Why? So that Allah hides your sins. There is not a person in this world alive today who is free from sin. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying here in this hadith, the Prophet is saying that He, Allah, will conceal your sins in this world and the hereafter. Now, how does the concealment of the sins happen? The scholars have stated based on a hadith that if someone were to slander or backbite someone, then that will happen to him. And Allah will open ways for people to know. His sins. Some of the Salaf have stated that they visited people who didn't have sins amongst them. Like we couldn't see it when we visited them. They weren't yani, doing anything evil. However, they in that sitting started to talk about others. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made apparent to us their evil and their sins. And they said, some of the Salaf, that we visited people who were known for evil, but when we sat with them, we didn't see anything. And they remained silent, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made us forget, forget their sins. Yani Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can conceal the sins of a people by even it being removed from the memory of people. Yani people forget it. And there are other statements based on a hadith where it says that the person who tarnishes the honor of another Muslim through saying the faults of his Muslim brother, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will expose him even if he's sitting at home. And we see this today more than any other time. Yani through the advancements of social media, we see 
that people get cancelled, whilst they're at home. They might have done a sin years back, but they're at home now. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has exposed them. And the scholars state that a lot of the times this happens. How? It happens because people did not conceal the faults of their brothers. And they tried to find out evil deeds of their brothers. Now, there are certain statements of the Prophet ﷺ which يعني, state how dangerous this is. But when we look at the example set forth by the Salaf, our pious predecessors, they made a distinction. Some of them made a distinction. If someone is known for evil, someone is known that they publicize their evil, then it is allowed for that person to then go to the authorities to then يعني, tell the authorities that this person is promoting and spreading fisk among the lands. So that the hakim, the ruler, can impose the ruling of whatever sin he is doing. So if it is known through someone publicizing his sin, someone glorifying his sin, if this needs to be يعني, addressed publicly, it can. And that is a very important distinction. That if someone is doing something in his private life, then he is made to be concealed. Something is meant to be hidden. So that Allah hides your sin. However, if someone is doing something alanan, he's doing something outright in the open, he's not ashamed, he has no haya, he has no shyness, then over here the scholars state that it is allowed for this person to be rebuked publicly. Just as he did the sin publicly. Now, there are other types of sins that need to be addressed in our community. For instance, if people in power, in whether it be in education or whether it be in يعني, positions where they have a responsibility over others, if they take advantage of the people that are around them, then this also needs to be addressed in a very specific way. So for instance, لا قدر الله May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep our community safe from this. But if for instance, there was a teacher in a Muslim school who was harming people. Harming people. And harm comes through many ways. Then you don't try to hide the sin of your brother because someone now is at risk. If someone is at risk, then you have to make sure that that person who's at risk is being made to feel safe. And you can't just say, خلاص, uh, he's a Muslim brother, and we need to hide our sins. If someone, we're talking firstly, we said private sins. Someone he says something haram, or he has a haram dealing, for instance, where he's got some sort of engagement in his monetary affairs. Something that is directly between him generally. It's not really putting anyone else in harm's way. Whereas if someone is, for instance, abusing people, abusing children or women or whatever it is, يعني, this is something that is important. And it needs to be kept in check. Or if it is not kept in check, then this will cause corruption in the lands. And it will ruin, يعني, for instance, the masjid, the Muslim organization, the school, whatever it is. So these matters over here, where someone else is being put in harm's way, needs to be addressed. It's not something that you hide. Now, he can be talked to privately. 
It doesn't have to be public يعني You don't have to name and shame in public It can be done in a very silent manner And if he doesn't go against that If he doesn't, يعني if he keeps his way in check then There are certain things that go with this However, the general rule of thumb is That if someone is being abused Or if something is evil done upon another person You don't just pretend it didn't happen And you close your eyes and turn away The element of nasiha always remains the element of ordaining good and forbidding good evil is something that is there. However, you don't need to tell people about what you ordain to good and forbid the evil from. You don't say that I went yesterday to this person, I saw him drinking and uh, I fixed it. I fixed it. He doesn't want to drink anymore. And you name him and you shame him. That's not part of this. But you are able to go to him and try to talk to him and you ordain the good and forbid the evil in a private way. And insha'Allah that is clear. Then the Prophet sallallahu says, "Wallahu fi abdi ma abdu fi That Allah subhanahu wa taala is in the assistance of his of the slave as long as the slave is in assistance to his brother. Now, <coughs> this is something that is very very يعني, beautiful. That the assistance of Allah subhanahu wa taala will be with you if you help your brothers or your sisters. Yani these all go for brothers and sisters yani without, without that being said yani That's pretty obvious insha'Allah Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's assistance Is with the believers As long as the believers are helping one another And this is something that is beautiful Now the assistance To your brother The own that you can give your brother The help that you can give your brother is very vast It's not something that's Something that's limited It's something that is quite broad so because of this, any form of assistance that you give your brother, insha'Allah you get this reward. Where the assistance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with you. Now if the assistance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with you, then obviously nothing is difficult for you. The assistance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes things easy. And then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam continues, he says, "Man salaka tariqan yaltamisu fihi ilman sahalallahu bihi tariq sahalallahu lahu bihi tariqan ila jannah." He says that whoever traverses upon a path, whoever goes upon a path seeking knowledge, the scholars of hadith have stated that this is specifically ilm al-shara, the knowledge of the Quran and the Sunnah, the knowledge of the Sharia, not any chemistry, biology. That's a different reward. However, this reward here is the ilm of the Qur'an and the Sunnah and that which stems from it. So whoever traverses upon a path, goes upon a path in search of this ilm, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes easy for him a path to paradise. Now the scholars have mentioned two different things here. The scholars, some scholars have stated that the path that is for him is there just by him seeking out the knowledge. Just by him, for instance, going to the masjid or going overseas or doing whatever he needs to do, just that ibadah is going to make his path to Jannah easy. The second path of scholars have stated that the pathway that is made easy to Jannah is through the person acting upon what he has studied. So not just that he studies, he acts upon what he studies. That whatever he studies will make easy for him to go to Jannah. And that is, Wallahu A'lam, in combination with the first, something that will make the path easy. 
that you go out and you seek knowledge. And that's not restricted to one country. It's not restricted to a university overseas. It's, it's where the knowledge is sought. So over here we're seeking knowledge. All of us, inshallah, we're seeking knowledge here. So over here, we're trying to traverse upon a path of knowledge. Then we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through this traversing, through going through this path to make easy for us a pathway into Jannah. But what is important is not that you came from your house to this masjid. It's that when you leave this masjid, you take what you have learned and you try to implement it in your lives. Now over here, what has Allah done? He has made the knowledge easy for you to learn. And so you take that knowledge and then you go and try to... And through the implementation, that is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the pathway to Jannah easy. Now, the ilm that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is seeking you to seek is the knowledge of the Qur'an and the Sunnah. Understand that this knowledge is something that is restricted in the sense where in the Qur'an and the Sunnah. Not what you think or not what someone else has thought without any dalil. And that is something that is very important. And this knowledge is going to be taken from us slowly, slowly. This knowledge is not always going to remain with us. And the way that knowledge is removed from a community and from a people is through the lifting of their scholars. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us from this. And just yesterday, uh, one of our mashayikh from Mecca passed away. Sheikh Muhammad Uzair Shams, rahimahullah. Now, he was a sheikh who some scholars have stated that he was like Ibn Taymiyyah of our time. And he was someone that gave his life into the tahqiq, the analyzing of the manuscripts, and presenting to us the works of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah and Ibn al-Qayyim and other scholars. And that was his work for over 20 years. And he was someone that was known through the people of knowledge as someone who was very humble, someone who was someone who was very kind to the students of knowledge, and someone who was very eager to promote the da'wah of the Ahlul Hadith, the people of Hadith, and those who traverse upon its way. And the Shaykh Rahimahullah was someone that was very well known to the scholars as being meticulous with the words of Ibn Taymiyyah. And I remember one time he was showing me on his phone, he opened, يعني, on a normal website, he opened PDFs, manuscripts of Shaykh Al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah, and he said, Shaykh Al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah wrote this with his own hand. This is what we've lost. يعني, if someone knows the writings of Ibn Taymiyyah, they say that Shaykh Al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah was someone who was very quick to write, therefore his handwriting was very messy. And so if you actually try to read a manuscript, it's barely, barely legible. And when someone is saying that this is when he wrote it, he would even say that he wrote this after being in jail in Egypt or Alexandria, or he wrote this in Dimashq, or he wrote this before when he was studying the Hanbali Madhab, and he mentioned, he knows, he knew this, Rahmatullah Alayhi, He was someone that was very, very, Beautiful and very, very knowledgeable. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow him to enter al-Firdaus al-A'la and to forgive his sins. But what we lost is this knowledge. 
Yani for us to have that knowledge, someone who spent 30, 40, 50 years on just one science, that's what we've lost. We've lost that ability to have that knowledge. And that is something that's not going to come again unless someone dedicates their life to this work. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us from living in a time where the scholars have been lifted. Yani this year, so many of the scholars have died. Sheikh Luhaydan, yani one of the greatest scholars of Saudi Arabia, passed away recently in Riyadh. So many scholars have died. And what this means is that the promotion of jahl, ignorance, is going to be more and more widespread. And the lack of knowledge is going to be more and more felt. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his protection, Ya Rabb. And then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, وَمَجْتَمْعَ قَوْبٌ فِي بَيْتٍ مِنْ بُيُوتِ اللَّهِ يَتْلُونَ كِتَابَ اللَّهِ وَيَتَدَارَسُونَهُ بَيْنَهُمْ إِلَّا نَزَلَتْ عَلَيْهِمُ السَّكِيلَةُ وَغَشِيَةُ الرَّحْمَةُ وَغَشِيَتْهُمُ الرَّحْمَةُ وَحَفَّتْهُمُ الْمَلَائِكَةُ That there is a people, a group of people, who <coughs> sit from the houses of the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, يعني the masajid. And they read the... Kitab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala The book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala The Quran And they study it amongst themselves Except that the angels descend upon them And They are uh, And that Rahma The mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Is poured on them And the sakina of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala The tranquility is upon them Is above them, around them, surrounding them وَحَفَّتْهُمُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ And that the angels descend upon them and they surround them. And وَذَكَرَهُمُ اللَّهُ فِي مَنْ عِنْدَهُ And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises these people with the angels that are around him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions regarding these people with the angels who are the muqarrabun, those who are closest to him. And this is the praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to who? Those who sit in the masajid and read and study the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Qur'an. Now, the scholars state that this can be done in many ways. This isn't just done by the scholars. This can be just be done by normal people who study in the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They get the Qur'an and they try to read it amongst themselves. And they try to understand it amongst themselves. And that one person would read it and the rest listens to it. This is all part of it. Or if they have one person who is good in Qur'an, in the reading of the Qur'an, the recitation of the Qur'an, and that he gets people to read to him, and he fixes their mistakes, even if he doesn't have an ijazah in Qur'an, he can still help someone make a mistake, and he fix a mistake that he's making in the Qur'an. This covers any form that is يعني, studying of the Qur'an. It covers it all. And this is great blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for specific things. Tranquility descends upon them, which means that there is nothing that is going to be there, insha'Allah, from distress. So that it means it is a, p- a pathway where you feel at ease, insha'Allah. The second is that mercy is poured upon them. Poured upon them, which means that there is no madkhal for the shaitan. And the third is that angels descend upon them, protecting them and lower their wings above them. And this is something that shows that what is being said here, even the angels want to listen to which is so noble, subhanAllah, and for that Allah Himself remembers you to who? The people that are, the, the angels that are closest to Him. فَذْكُرُونِي أَذْكُرْكُمْ Remember me and I will remember you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. So over here, this is the blessing of going through the Qur'an with the people around you. 
Now, other scholars, subhanAllah, I was thinking about this, other scholars have stated that this stems also with other knowledge too. Because other knowledge is the study of the Qur'an like the sunnah. We know that the sunnah is, for instance, the explanation of the Qur'an. We know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an, for instance, has told us to obey the command of the messenger and to follow the messenger. So in this, we are following the Qur'an by studying the sunnah. And so any يعني, science that stems from the Qur'an and the sunnah, inshaAllah, has this same reward. Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, وَمَنْ أَبْطَأَ بِهِ عَمَلُهُ لَمْ يُسْرِعْ بِهِ نَسَبُهُ رَوَاهُ مُسْلِمْ That when someone's deeds pull him back and they slow him down, when someone's deed isn't going to allow him to reach Jannah, then over here, his progeny, his lineage, nothing will help him. His nasab over here, nothing will help him. Just because he is from a noble family, just because he's from the family of يعني, a prophet or a companion, or nothing will help him here. If his deeds are not strong enough to get him in to the paradise. إِنَّ أَكْرَمَكُمْ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ أَتْقَاكُمْ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the most pious amongst you, the no, most noble amongst you are who? Atqakum, the ones who have the most taqwa. And with this, insha'Allah, we complete this hadith, this 36th hadith of this great book. And insha'Allah, next week, bi'idhnillahi tabaraka wa ta'ala, we take the next hadith. Barakallahu fikum wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Jazakumullahu khayran wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This program was presented by Al-Bayan Radio. The voice of Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah.